This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Tom is on a solo mission this week. Some of the stories we look at include the SEC comes out with climate change risk regulations. The serious fraud office is spanked again by a London Court of Appeals. The getting rid of old data is critical going forward. Mike Volkoff takes a look at the S in ESG. We consider the FINRA and CCO liability issues. The IDB debars a construction company. The first ZTE monitorship ends. All this and more on This Week in FCPA. Welcome to This Week in FCPA for the week ending March 25, 2022, the Seeing Green Edition. As the SEC releases regulations around climate change, Jay is on assignment, so Tom is doing a solo effort to look at some of the week's top compliance and ethics stories. We begin with uh, the SEC releasing climate change risk regulations. Uh, We have several different commentators who've looked at it, from Andrew Ross Sorkin in the New York Times deal book, to Matt Kelly in Radical Compliance, to Tom Fox and Matt Kelly in Compliance into the Weeds. The disclosures a company needs to make would be around greenhouse greenhouse gas emissions. All companies need to uh, disclose these that are within scope one, i.e. those generated by your own operations, scope two generated by your purchase of electricity, and larger companies also need to report scope three emissions, those generated by your supply chain. You report on the impact of climate-related events, such as severe weather and other natural conditions, as well as transition activities on line items in financial statements, how companies govern climate-related risks and relevant risk management processes, and if the company has set a goal to transition to net zero emissions, the company needs to disclose that goal. The driver here is consistency in your disclosure and Obviously, there are some questions raised. Number one, should greenhouse gas emissions disclosures be subject to internal controls? How will attestations over greenhouse gas emissions work? Third, how will disclosures square with what companies say in corporate sustainability reports? So lots to digest, and I'm sure we'll be looking at this uh, down the road. Uh, Our next story entails the uh, SFO being spanked yet again. Um, more trouble for the SFO as they 
uh, have another sentence overturned, this time former SBM executive Paul Bond, who was convicted as a part of the unit oil sets of trials, and he was um, released based upon the misconduct of the SFO. Uh, this has been detailed in uh, prior uh, commentary and uh, continued black eye and more for the SFO and indeed more pressure on the SFO going forward. Our next story uh, comes to us from Mike Volkoff, who takes a look at the S in ESG, of course, in Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Mike talks about values-based leadership and the power of a corporate mission. Uh, obviously, the um, ESG movement presents numerous opportunities for organizations to promote and improve overall performance. By injecting the important focus on sustainability, organizations can take a much broader view. He cites to the LRN 2022 Program Effectiveness Report, uh, which has over the past few years, in addition to this year, has talked about values-based leadership to transform culture and impact behavior, and now we see that in the S in ESG. Our next story comes to us from Harry Casson at the FCPA blog, and it's a story about the International Develop- Inter-American Development Bank rather, debarring a Brazilian contractor last Friday for three years for collusive and corrupt practices related to projects in Brazil. I want to try to pronounce the name of the bank, uh, but it's ineligible to participate in projects and operations financed by the IDB for a 36-year period. The debarment qualifies for cross-debarment by the World Bank, the Asian Development Bank, and European Bank for Construction. So we don't often see debarments, but uh, when we do, we see how powerful uh, they can be. Uh, next up, a uh, article from uh, Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, on, of course, radical compliance. <clears throat> and it's around FINRA's olive branch to uh, CCOs around CCO liabilities. FINRA said that compliance officers play an important role in facilitating compliance by promoting strong practices to protect investors and market activity. This does not autom- automatically make them subject to supervisors, therefore subject to FINRA's supervisory requirements. Um, this really helps CCOs by not bringing them under these rules. If a CCO reasonably discharges his duties, rather, um, uh, then um, the CCO will be in um, pretty good shape, at least in the eyes of FINRA. Obviously, this is not the Securities and Exchange Commission, so there's still potential liability in that realm, and that's something that uh, other groups are lobbying the uh, SEC to put some clarity around potential CCO liability going forward. So at least from FINRA, uh, CCOs now have uh, uh, some measure of clarity around potential liability. We are going to take a quick word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our next article comes to us from lawyers from Debevoy and Plimpton uh, in um, New York University's Compliance and Enforcement blog. And they say that data minimization and indeed uh, data retention and destruction is a critical area for data governance. And a recent enforcement action shows why companies need to get rid of old electronic data. In January, uh, the New York AG reached a $600,000 settlement with IMED relating to a 2020 data breach in which the attackers gained access to IMED's email account, which contained sensitive customer data for six years. Uh, The New York AG found multiple violations of the New York Shield Act, which requires businesses to dispose of private information within a reasonable amount of time after which it's no longer needed for business purpose. And that was the primary uh, violation uh, that IMED was fined for. The article then goes on to really list out the, uh, not really, but does list out the regulatory requirements or data retention or data disposal, including under Section 5 of the FTC, the New York Shield Act, the New York Department of Financial Services Cyber Rules, the Illinois Biometric Privacy Act, and the California Privacy Rights Act. So that's a great um, review of laws inside the United States. Of course, there's always GDPR, and they cite to the author's cite to GDPR. I also go on to list some of the uh, Challenges for companies wanting to get rid of old data. One can be cultural, corporate cultural impediments. Second, ownership and budgeting. And three, legal and regulatory holes. Uh, the authors then conclude by giving tips for overcoming the challenges of getting rid of data. They suggest starting small, rec- recognizing that preservation rules have changed, managing expansive legal holes, automate the deletion of some very old files, limit the ability to circumvent deletion, and protect the data being retained. I found this to be really an excellent article on this point. Um, It's not something I think that really gets talked about enough, so kudos for for the uh, Debevoy's lawyers for bringing it to our attention. And really, you should, as a compliance professional, check this out to see uh, if there's anything that you're doing which might be violating these laws. Uh, next up, some uh, good news, I think, for the Chinese company, finally, uh, ZTE. They were under uh, two uh, settlement agreements with the United States government, one with the Federal District Court and a second with the Department of Commerce. Under the first one, they had a five-year monitorship, which has ended. Um, they are under a second monitorship from the Department of Commerce 
a billion dollar fine and penalty, but at least ZTE got out of the first one. They had a very, very difficult time with their monitor, um, who apparently was good friends with the judge who appointed him, but the judge uh, did let them go at least from one monitorship. So not too much good news for ZTE recently, but I think this certainly qualifies. And so hopefully the second monitorship, which unfortunately for ZTE is scheduled to last for 10 years, uh, will keep them on the uh, straight and narrow. Next up, an article in Corporate Compliance Insights by Todd Fishman, Noah Brumfeld, Unju Wang, and Elaine Johnston, entitled Department of Justice's Criminal Antitrust Division Raises the Stakes for Ethics and Compliance with Interagency and International Support. A really interesting article about how um, those monitoring criminal antitrust activities now have more clarity on how the Biden administration will approach enforcement. Um, the DOJ Antitrust Division amplified its whole-of-government approach in seeking cooperation from other agencies uh, within the U.S. government and, indeed, enforcers overseas. Recent initiatives target the COVID area collusion schemes uh, that were uh, proliferating over the past couple of years. So the whole-of-government approach to procurement uh, collusion allegations The Department of Justice is also changing its focus to look at supply chain disruptions and how this may uh, have led to uh, increased antitrust activity. Uh, This announcement follows on the heels of the Procurement Collusion Strike Force active prosecutions over the past couple of years, and I think it really portends how the DOJ will uh, utilize as much as... uh, or rather all types of tools available to them. Uh, The lawyers uh, who are the authors of this are from the law firm of Alan Avery. Uh, Next up from NAVEX Global, um, risk and, I suppose now NAVEX, uh, Risk and Compliance Matters blog, an excellent article from Giles Newman on the top six ESG issues for companies to tackle uh, in 2022. So this is a great list, uh, and it really speaks to or gives you the opportunity to benchmark your own ESG efforts going forward. So number one, ESG governance issues. Uh, governance is critical to get right, and it's been the cause of some of the biggest corporate scandals. It's the G in ESG that really underpins the ability of a company to achieve its ESG goals. And the G enables us or companies to thrive from an E and an S perspective. Two, scope three emissions. There are many challenges uh, to consider when implementing an ESG program in a supply chain, but scope three emissions may take the crown. Um, We heard a little bit about this in the new SEC rules. Scope three emissions are emissions from your supply chain. Why is this tough to manage? Well, um, because for many companies, their total gas house emissions uh, from scope three can be 90% of their overall uh, greenhouse gas emission. It's a huge area for many companies to manage. Uh, Next up, walking the talk. 
Sustainability is a hot topic, great in theory, but sometimes hard in practice. So in order to successfully monitor ESG, companies have to have a strong culture, clear policies, and software in place, and you must fully integrate it. So a company uh, can only then have base its future decisions around sustainability. Number four, culture change. When it comes to implementing ESG factors in organization and value chain, it's not about, just about tools, but it's about employees. And employees have to make decisions every day. You can put a lot of policies and procedures in place, but remember, it's all about your employees. Number five, forming partnerships. ESG is a huge area to monitor, especially for large organizations. Uh, it, whether you're looking at the E, the S, or the G. So that's where partnerships are critical. Unless a company is in continuous contact with both suppliers and clients within their supply and value chain, companies are never going to know the extent of their ESG measurements. And finally, ethics, compliance regulations. Supply chains are not listless, and sometimes it can be easy to forget there are real people working in them. The UK Modern Slavery Act, the California Transparency and Supply Chain Act, uh, Germany has the Supply Chain Due Diligence Act. All of these focus on compliance with more modern technology. These issues are more easily monitored, but the point is that you must monitor them going forward. So a really good article here um, in uh, Risk and uh, Compliance Matters, and we hope that... um, Rather, um, Giles Newman lays out some things that you can look at and the critical nature of them going forward. And our final article comes to us from Neil Hodge over at Compliance Week, who asks, is momentum building towards a privacy shield replacement? Recent comments by the EU and U.S. lawmakers and insights from privacy experts suggest a new mechanism to ensure safe transatlantic Dance, uh, data transfers might soon be uh, introduced. Uh, in February, directors of the Privacy Shield program, the U.S. director, said negotiations were in the home step stretch, and European officials are also saying progress is being made. If a draft comes out in May or June, it will likely gain an adequacy decision by the end of the year and come into effect uh, much uh, or, or soon thereafter. It would certainly be a um, uh, big plus for U.S. companies um, to be able to know what the rules are going to be, and it sounds like things are moving in the right direction. Uh, that concludes our uh, stories and commentary uh, that we've seen this week, and now we're going to move to some podcasts and more. Um, on the Compliance Life, I conclude my four-part series with Audrey Harris, who's now Managing Director at Affiliated Monitors. In Episode 4, she talks about her move to AMI. Uh, I had a great two-part series on greetings and felicitations with Allie McDevitt. Allie wrote a uh, multi-part ransomware case study, which has been running in Compliance Week. We've talked about the articles, but I had the chance to sit down with Allie and talk about her research into this, how she wrote it, her writing style, and a really a wide-ranging discussions. Uh, so check out uh, uh, parts one and two of my podcast with uh, Allie McDevitt on her ransomware case studies. Why should you attend Compliance Week? Well, uh, to find out, check out my podcast with Dave Leefort, 
Managing Director at Compliance Week on from the editor's desks, uh, which posted uh, on Friday, March 25th. You can uh, hear about some of the highlights, some of the panels, and keynote speakers that Dave and others at Compliance Week have organized. Even better yet, listeners to this podcast get a $200 discount to Compliance Week 2022. Use the code FOX200. I've linked to the code. I've linked to the registration site. Uh, So uh, check out Dave's podcast and then register for Compliance Week 2022. I hope to see you there. Uh, Next up, in the Hill Country podcast, I visit with Michelle Van Fossen. Michelle's the founder of Pop Hair Art Salon in Kerrville, and she talks about her work in the salon industry for about 35 years, how she's paying it forward now in a most unique way, and her um, life as an actor in the local Kerrville theater scene. It's a fascinating podcast. I know you will uh, enjoy it. She is uh, really a firecracker, and I enjoyed interviewing her quite a bit. And finally, um, have you ever thought about an undergrad degree in ESG? Well, Jules Ellen uh, Orengel thought about it, and she moreover did something about it at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and put together an undergrad degree, a bespoke undergraduate degree, that she and her academic advisors helped her put together um, around ESG. Jules is, is a college student and is extremely passionate about ESG. So it was great to... Uh, hear a college student uh, really have passion around this issue and why she was, uh, or how rather, she was able to put together an um, entire degree around this and move forward. So check out uh, Jules Orengel on um, the Compliance ESG podcast. So that concludes our podcast this week. Thank you for joining, and I hope you'll join Jay and I again next week. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you so much for listening to This Week in FCPA. I hope you'll check out my five-part podcast series, Taxman, on the intersection of tax and compliance. It's an area that is rarely discussed in compliance, and it turns out there's quite a bit of intersection and overlap between tax and compliance. So check it out, Taxman on the intersection of tax and compliance with Tracy Howell on the Innovation and Compliance podcast series on the Compliance Podcast Network. I hope you will join Jay and I again next week for another episode of This Week in FCPA. Jay can be reached at jrosen at affiliatedmonitors.com. You can reach me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Finally, if you've not done so, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. It would help our ratings and help get the message out about the only weekly wrap-up of items in compliance this week in FCPA. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.